Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. Hello, everybody. This is Alex, pastor of Calvary Church. I want to thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for your support in subscribing, liking, sharing our channel with friends and family. It really means the world. And our growth over the last couple of years online has been absolutely incredible. I want to invite you to participate in a special Sunday that we have coming up on Sunday, December 10th. Sunday, December 10th is Heart for the House Sunday at Calvary Church. What is Heart for the House? It's a special offering that we all bring that goes over and above our yearly tithes. This special offering we've been saving and this goes straight to making a difference around the world. It goes to impact our city and it goes to make an influence all around the world. It's because of this offering that this year we've helped thousands of people receive food or an education, hear the gospel. And I'm telling you, your support really makes a massive difference. Would you pray about it and talk to your family and see how you can contribute and help out reach our goal of $500,000? We're all praying about it. It's a special day at Calvary where it's going to set us up to win and continue to make a difference in 2024. Thank you so much. We love our online family. Your support, really, it gets to the heart as we continue taking the gospel of Jesus Christ. We love you. Thank you for being with us. We are to be Matthew chapter 5 and if you've been here uh, we said this is going to be the passage that sits on our heart for the next few weeks as we uh, read from it learn from it if you haven't look at verses 13 through 16 we're going to read them one more time but we're all talking about it in our connect groups and our families and our friends Matthew chapter 5 verse 13 if you're there can you shout amen? amen Jesus is speaking and he says you are the salt of the earth but if salt has lost its taste How shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Then he says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way. Somebody say, in the same way. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. It's what we've been studying, reading, thinking about, breaking apart, kind of like uh, phrase by phrase. What is Jesus saying? And so we've been studying Matthew chapter 5, and today we want to continue to talk about Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. What is Jesus saying about his followers, his disciples, his friends, me and you, are included in that? What does it mean uh, to our church? That's why we called our series City on a Hill. Today, I want to talk to you in this third part of our series from this title, All Eyes on Us. All Eyes on Us. We'll talk about this for the next 25 minutes or so. I believe there is no Dolphins game. Is that correct? That's right, because we won Friday. Praise the Lord. Thanksgiving miracle. And uh, 
So we can take all the time we want today. 11 a.m. can wait. Nobody's in a hurry. Coyazo's not on his phone watching the score. So let's, um, I'm kidding. He never does that. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. John does. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you. We love you. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for this family. Thank you for this household of faith. Thank you for all that you've done. God, the last um, 20 years has been amazing as a community, as a church, uh, what you've done with people who just believe. And thank you that your spirit is here and you are still at work. And uh, we thank you so much for all you've done in the last several years and what you are yet to do. We believe it. Thank you for this morning. What a beautiful morning as we gather together here online around the world. People watching, we thank you. We love you because we are saved. We are free. We are healed. We are delivered. Heaven bound. You are good to us. And we pray that anybody that does not know you will come to know you today. We thank you. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all of Calvary Church says. Yeah. Oh, come on. All of Calvary Church says. 9 a.m. Can you make some noise for Jesus one more time? Come on. The phrase city on a hill, absolutely known, uh, possibly all over the world. People have heard it, whether you are uh, a believer or not, whether you are a Christian or not. It's a phrase that became absolutely famous. Obviously, Jesus said it in Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon of the Mount. But the phrase city on a hill has also become synonymous, perhaps you know, with the United States of America. It has become known that the United States of America is also known as a city on a hill. Why that happened was because of one man named John Winthrop. And in 1603, he left his country of England looking to build a new world, a new future. They were looking for religious liberty, and so they headed to this newfound land trying to build a better future. And so in 1603, he jumped on a ship called the Arbella, and he delivered a sermon to 400 people on this ship. And the sermon was called The Model of Christian Charity. The Model of Christian Charity. He gave this very special sermon, absolutely well-known. It was documented. It is now known as part of American history. And in the sermon, he said this line, We shall be as a city upon a hill. The eyes of all people are upon us. He's talking to the people that are going to build this new land. And he says, this is what we're going to be. A city on a hill. The eyes of all people are upon us. They landed in this, in this new land, and the pilgrims, as we know it, began to build our country. Now, now, he was speaking in this sermon to a sense of togetherness, a sense of selflessness, because if you are going to build something great, if you are going to build something that is going to make a difference in the world, it's going to take sacrifice, it's going to take selflessness, it's going to take unity. And John knew that people would be watching these people on their way to build a better future. When you set out for a mission and vision, people will be watching if you are for real about your task. All eyes were on them the same way that I would say all eyes are on the church. Do we really live out what we say that we believe? Are we really a city on a hill. If you are going to go after your vision, your mission, and your purpose, there can't be division. Anytime there is conflict, 
Anytime there are problems that come up against your mission or vision in life, it is known as division. A vision that is now held by multiple people that are different is division. You are divided. You ever been divided in yourself about your mission, vision, in your own life, in your own family? I'll give you an example. Several years ago, and I've said this before, I remember I woke up one morning. I was excited. It was a new year. I think it was January, maybe 2014, 15. I said, I'm going to work out today. I'm excited. It's a new year. New, me, new year, new me. Anybody getting ready? You're like, the next six weeks don't count. January, all calories begin to count. And I woke up that day, and I'm like, I'm going to go work out. I am excited. I put on all my workout clothes, my workout gear. I was matching. You know you're for real when you're matching. It was January. Miami doesn't get cold, but that particular morning was a little cold. And I started to get ready. And as I was tying my shoes, I sensed that the Lord didn't want me to work out that day. <laughs> Just sense like I read a study that said sleep is also good for weight loss. And so I just need maybe an hour or two more sleep and I'll lose more weight than if I worked out. And so I took off my shoes and I went back to bed. I was divided in my own self about what I wanted. I was conflicted in my own desires about my end goal. Part of me wanted to reach this vision, this end purpose, but another part of me wanted to sleep and stay in and not wake up before the sun rise. There's a problem when we are conflicted. I put it this way today. Our conflictions hinders our completion, right? Well, when there is conflict, when there is confliction in the family, when there is confliction in a, marry, in a marriage, when there is conflicts and problems in relationships, it's going to stop you from attaining that end goal, that vision that God has for your life, whatever it may be, for your marriage, for your family, for your kids, for your business. I mean, conflict happens everywhere. And if you keep unresolved conflict alive, it will stop you from accomplishing that dream, that goal, that vision that God has for you. I mean, this happens everywhere, right? A lot of us, we're not flourishing in our current relationship because we're still carrying baggage from our old relationship. You finally found the man of your dreams, but because the ex-boo had a whole bunch of issues, you're not putting that on the new man. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I've known people that have an incredible relationship. They finally found somebody, but because their ex and other ex and first ex treated them a certain way, they're putting all that blame on the new person. And those conflicts are not stopping you from attaining this God-given relationship and a God-given future that he wants to give you because you are still blaming the past on a new person. Right? And where there is conflict that is unresolved, it will stop you from completing what God has for your life. In business, it's the same. Oh, I had a business partner that didn't work out, and now you got a new business, and you're still walking in with unresolved conflict, and it's stopping you from completing. That happens in church. Well, I've been in churches that hurt me and abused me, and so now you're part of a new church with a mission and vision, and until you have that conflict unresolved or resolve that conflict, you are never going to be part of a life-giving church to make a difference because you are still caught up in the hurt and the abuse of the past. Find a church you love, get involved, go all in, make a difference in the world, whether it's here or somewhere else, but you can't keep carrying around baggage. Somebody say baggage. Get that conflict resolved. Talk to a pastor, a leader a therapist talk to somebody but you need to work that out in order to complete what the mission and vision that God has given you are you following me 
Some of us in here today, we are still dealing with unresolved conflict. You are still caught up in what somebody did to you and how somebody hurt you, the trauma of your life. And until you figure that out and get that healed, you will never be able to complete the vision and mission that God has for you. The Bible says in the book of Matthew chapter 12 that every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined. It will not be able to stand. If you stay divided, if you stay with a different mission or vision than your spouse or business partner or church, you will not be able to accomplish much. I'm going to resolve this conflict. I'm going to get some healing today. I'm going to make sure there's sacrifice and I forgive, I mend, I heal so that God can do what he wants to do in my life. The eyes of all people are on you and me. How's our marriage going to last? How are we going to do in our relationship? How's our businesses going to flourish? How's our church going to make a difference? And until we resolve conflict, we won't be able to make a difference. Are you following me so far? A kingdom divided against itself will not be able to stand. And so today, as we think about a city on a hill, whether you want to talk about that personally or collectively, there, there needs to be some laying down of our guard, some healing in our hearts in order to do that which God has called us to do. I can't continue carrying trauma in my marriage if I want me and Diana to flourish and do what God has called us to do. And so I'm praying for her. And there can't be, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. It's an example. Right, I, I, you and I, we can't carry out what God has called us to do until we find healing. And it might require you to forgive somebody before they ask for forgiveness. It might require you to take the first step before they take the first step. It's going to require unity. Somebody say unity. unity. It's going to require togetherness, selflessness. Because there is a vision of future that God has for your life, for your family, for your marriage, for our church. And we got to do it together. I put it this way today. To see change in the world, you need to have sacrifice in the heart. If we're going to be a church that sees change in the world, come on, we're not here to waste our time. It's Sunday. We come to give glory to God, to give him praise, to give him worship. That's why we're here, because God saved us. He delivered us. He transformed us. And while we're here, we're going to make sure we know our vision, mission, and purpose to go outside and make a difference in the world. But there needs to be sacrifice in our heart. There's a sacrifice to wake up on Sunday morning. There's a sacrifice to get out of bed and get your family ready. I already, I know how that is now. I'm a parent now. And so it takes a lot longer to get ready. She took forever. We left her home alone this morning. Sacrifice. You want to make a change? It takes sacrifice. Jesus in Matthew chapter five, we talked about this the last few weeks, Matthew chapter five, the best sermon ever given. You want to, you want to hear a good sermon, go read Matthew chapter five. Chapters 5 through 7, it is Jesus giving such a beautiful, literally world-changing sermon. Now, he talks about a new way to be human. You and I, we don't live like the rest of the world. We are followers of Jesus. And he says, if you take on these attitudes or these be attitudes, you'll actually be blessed. I don't know about you, but I want to be blessed. So he's saying, if you want to be blessed, you don't follow the patterns of the world. We don't do business that way. We don't do marriage that way. We don't treat each other the way the world treats. If you want to be blessed, follow Jesus' ways and you'll be blessed. So Jesus is saying, there's a new world he's building. There's a new way to be human that you and I can be a part of. And he says, if you follow my ways, you'll be blessed. Somebody say blessed. blessed. Then he calls us 
how he sees us, by our vision, by our purpose, by our mission. He says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And then the third term that he uses to describe us is a city on a hill. Now, the, the first two weeks, we've talked about the first two terms. He says, you are the salt of the earth. And we talked about how salt, it enhances flavor in the world. It preserves freshness. It doesn't let bacteria grow. How it brings healing where you put salt. And so, what a way for Jesus to classify us as salt of the earth. It's absolutely beautiful. It's how we should be living our lives. Then he says, you are the light of the world. We expel darkness. We show truth. And we show where people should be guided and to walk by. And we bring life to the places that are dead. The third term he uses is city on a hill. Somebody say city on a hill. hill. It's the third phrase that he uses to describe his followers, his friends. Now the church of Jesus Christ. Why would he say a city on a hill? Why a city? We think about this. Jesus is now calling us. We, me and you are a city on a hill. In ancient times, cities were absolutely important. In ancient times is where life was found in the city. In ancient times, protection was found in the city. If you wanted food, if you wanted resources, you would go to the city because they were closest to the nearest stream of water, they had, you know, storage full of salt and food and oil and bread. And so you went to the city to find resources. You went to the city to find community. You went to the city to find work. In our world today, that partly is still true. In the ancient world, that much more. In fact, Bob Dobson puts it this way. Cities were where you wanted to be because that is where the necessities of life were provided. The city was literally your salvation and hope in times of trouble. Now, now let's think about what Bob Dobson just said and what Jesus called. Cities were the salvation and the hope is where you wanted to be. If you were out, if you were a traveler in the desert, if you were out in the middle of nowhere and you and your wife and the kids were running out of food, where would you run to? The city. If you needed more resources, if you're like, I need a job, my business failed, I need a job, where would you go? The city. If you need resources, where would you go? The city was it. You run to the city to find jobs, resources, food, and now Jesus is saying, you are the city on a hill. In other words, when the world is in trouble, when the world runs out of options, when the world has nothing left, where are they going to look? They're not going to look to a government program. They should look to the program of Jesus Christ the King, his church, his bride. Are you following me? We are the city on a hill. So what is a city? I'll put it this way. A city is a collection of people working interdependently to build a better future. A city. It's what happens in city. People work together. We're not completely dependent of each other, but we're not independent. We want to make sure we thrive as human beings so that we can build a better tomorrow for our kids and for our kids' kids. And so the church is a city on a hill. It's all of us working together to build a better future. You are the city on a hill. Now, now follow me. Jesus said this in physical, but also in the spiritual sense. Are you with me, 9 a.m.? When he says city on a hill, one more time, say city on a hill. hill. He partly, many people believe he's partly referring to Jerusalem. Jerusalem is a city built on a hill. 
Those of you who've been to Israel, a bunch of us went several years ago, you would see Jerusalem sitting on top of a hill, right? It's a city that's built on top. In fact, many people say it's built on top of seven hills. And you see Jerusalem from a distance. I remember we turned one curve and the bus driver said, look ahead, you're going to see Jerusalem. And as we turned one curve, you would see Jerusalem from a distance. And the whole bus started to sing a song. It was absolutely beautiful. People in tears. That's Jerusalem. Now, what does Jerusalem mean spiritually to a lot of people, especially in this day and age when Jesus is speaking? It represented the place where God dwelt. Are you following me, 9 a.m.? It represented the place where God was. If you wanted to go see the presence of God, feel the presence of God, be in the presence of God, you would go to Jerusalem. In fact, you would do a pilgrimage to Jerusalem, the city on a hill, because this is where God was. It was the epitome of God and man living together. Are you following me? And so Jesus is now saying, catch this. No longer is God's city going to be a physical city. What Jerusalem represents to humanity, it is now going to be the church of Jesus Christ. You are the new Jerusalem. I am the new Jerusalem. When people want to see what life looks like, living with God, having relationship with God, they are not going to go to a physical city. They are not going to visit the local churches and there see what a life-giving, thriving relationship looks like with God. We are the new city on a hill that people should run to, that people should visit. I need to go to that church because this is what life looks like when you love God when you're forgiven when you're healed when you're transformed you run to your church come on there's power in the church there's life in the church Jesus says you are now that city on a hill that is absolutely beautiful this is how now I know some of us are in here like but I'm messed up I don't know if I represent what I like giving I know that's the beautiful thing about grace It's a place where we all can belong to. We are that city on a hill. So individually, we're salt. Individually, we're light. Collectively, we're a city. So when he says city on a hill, like John Rinthrop talked about the United States, there's a sense of unity, togetherness, selflessness that it's going to take for you and I to build and be this city on a hill. 9 a.m., are you with me? Did you have coffee this morning? Are you with me? Can you say amen? Amen. We are the city on a hill. So there's spiritual realities. No longer do people need to rush, get on an airplane, and travel thousands of miles to go to Jerusalem to see what once represented a life-giving relation. Now it's your local church. If you have a good Bible-teaching local church, that represents now the living temple that God is building. Jesus flipped it upside down. Jesus was bad. He's like, Jerusalem is about to be torn down in a few years. And it did. Rome came and completely decimated the city of Jerusalem. Not everything got torn down and burned down. And if your hope was in a city, you would be desperate. But now we are living stones. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2, you yourselves are being built like living stones into a spiritual temple. You are being made into a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. In other words, you are a brick and I'm a brick and God is building us together to be the city, the temple of God. Alex, I don't know if that's true. Revelation chapter 21. John sees a vision at the end of time 
And he says, and I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Who's the bride of Christ? Church. The church. Who does John see coming down from heaven? The church is not a physical city. It's a spiritual city. It's you and I living together, working together to offer our praise to Jesus. So Jesus is talking about a spiritual reality. You and I now are the new city of God. And so when people come around us, what should they find? What they found in physical cities. It's a big responsibility for you and I. That's why I say all the time, we're not here to waste time. We're not here to praise a man. We're not here to make much about ourselves. We're here to make much about Jesus because it's all about him. What would you find in a city? Three characteristics of a city that most people would find, spiritually and physically speaking. Three things that you would find in a city. Number one, you would find security. Number two, you would find community. Number three, you would find prosperity. Three things. You, you, you went to a city to find security. Whether that's spiritual security or physical security, you went to the city. Okay, I, I need security in my life. I want to make sure that I'm good. So you're going to go to a place that you're surrounded by. That's what the city represented. Number two, community. I need friends. Man is not made to live alone. And so people went to a city because they felt like they belonged in a city. There they found friends. They found brothers, sisters, people that they can build a life with, get into partnership with, whether that's spiritual or physical. And then number three, prosperity. That doesn't just mean money. That means peace. That means that you, will be, you know you will be okay because you would find a job, you would find money, you would find resources, you would find food. And so it represented prosperity for you and your family. Are you following me so far? We're going to finish off with three last things. And what does a city on a hill represent? You and I, we are the church of Jesus Christ. Today, 2023, here, every location watching, every service is going to be here today. We're in this series called City on a Hill because this is how Jesus describes us. You and I were the salt, we're the light, and we're the city on a hill. It's going to take you and I working together loving each other without holding grudges, forgiving, working together toward one end goal because all eyes are on us. A city on a hill, you would see it at nighttime and you would know that's the direction. This is where I need to go. How, how do we continue being a city on a hill and what does it represent? You and I as the church of Jesus, what does it represent? Well, I think number one, it represents a safe fortress. A safe fortress. I'll give you an example, maybe 2016, 2017. There was a storm that was headed our way. It was a massive hurricane. And I remember we were all getting ready. Uh, we boarded up the church, boarded up homes. I mean, we were all over the city helping people out. And I get a phone call that says, Alex, are you gonna stay in Miami? And I said, yeah, then we're staying in Miami. We have nowhere else to go. It was turning to a category five. And I was like, well, I lived through Andrew. I was in Hialeah through Andrew. I'm gonna make it in Color Bay. <laughs> And the person that called me said, well, I, I have a hotel room for free if you want in Orlando, if you want to go spend at least the first night while the storm passes through. And I said, yeah, absolutely, I'm, I'm gone. <laughs> and so we loaded up the car and, and, and we took off. We took off to the hotel. The hotel usually doesn't allow pets, this hotel that they allowed us to stay in, but for the, for the storm, they did. And so we took our dogs, we took our entire family, all of us crammed up in one room and we were there, we were there. You went around the hotel and everybody was there with the dog. Most people from Miami, we, I mean, everybody went up there. And I, I thought about that yesterday because I'm like, what a safe place that we had. The world is in trouble. There's a storm of faithlessness. There's a storm of hopelessness. 
There's all kinds of storms happening out there. Where are people going to run to? Where are people going to find a safe fortress, a, a safe refuge? Where does humanity go when they're down and out and have nowhere else to look? There was a popular little short story written by somebody on why the bar is popular. And they said people don't go to bars because most of them are alcoholics. People go to bars because most of them are lonely. People go to bars and that's where they find friends. And that's where they find somebody that won't judge them. That's where they find somebody who will accept them just as they are. And they sit down and have a few drinks and get to know one another and build a friendship. And it's a fa if it's a facade, it's a mask because it doesn't go deeper than surface. But that's the, that's the fake alternative to what the church should be. People should find a safe fortress in the local church of Jesus Christ. David wrote Psalm 31. And in Psalm 31, he's going through some trouble. You read Psalm 31 and you see David is stressed out. You ever been so stressed out, you take out the T and put it with the C. Stressed out. That's, I mean, that's David. Psalm 31, look at, look at David. In you, Lord, all do I take refuge. Another word for that is fortress. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me. Would you incline your ear to me? Rescue me speedily. Be a rock of refuge for me, a strong fortress to save me. Now, the word there, fortress or refuge, in the Hebrew is the word hasab. And what it means is that when soldiers were out in the desert and they were exposed to the enemy, they would find a rock to hide behind. That was their fortress. That was their refuge. And so God, in Psalm 31, is the rock that we hide behind. He is our fortress in time of trouble. When it seems like the enemy wants to attack my family, when it seems like the enemy's after my kids, when it seems like all of hell has broken loose, I'm glad I have a refuge. I'm glad I have a fortress that I can hide behind. I get behind the rock. Oh, come on, that's my help. That's my safe place. In today's world, we are the refuge. We are the fortress. It's the church of Jesus Christ. And people want to go to a place that they can belong to. People want to go to a place that they can meet people that won't judge them or criticize them. But lend a helping hand. Pastor Chuck Swindle put it this way, may our church always be a place of refuge for the weary and the wounded. Let's become for them, those who need us, their city of refuge, their place of safety. I want you to follow me because I really believe, I know this is only part three, but I really believe this is the biggest point of Matthew chapter five, verses 13 through 16. You are a city on a hill. In Joshua chapter 20, follow me now. In Joshua chapter 20, Joshua has now entered the new land and they are dividing the new land. And God gives them instructions. He said, if somebody by mistake kills a neighbor, by mistake, not an accident. You're not a murderer, but by mistake, you killed somebody. It was an accident. But their family finds out they would want to kill you. They wanted vengeance. So God gave them an order, create cities of refuge. And it was six cities in total. Are you following me? 
And if you or I did that accident, you would be sent there so that you would be safe from the family that wants vengeance. And in that city of refuge, it wasn't just a city where you go, you belong. You would be taken by the hand, welcomed into the community. They would ask you where you came from, what happened. They would make sure that you were absolutely innocent. And once they did, they would find work, a home, a place to live. It was the city of refuge. Jesus says you are the city on a hill. When the world is running, when the world is crazy, when the world is upside down, they should run to the church and find a place that welcomes them, loves them, doesn't judge them or criticize them, but welcomes them back into the community, gives them a home, gives them a place, gives them identity. Come on, it's the family of Jesus Christ. We're a safe fortress, a safe refuge. Pastor Chuck Swindle preached one of the most beautiful messages around it, and he talked about the Statue of Liberty. And you read on the Statue of Liberty, there's a bronze plaque. In fact, I'll read it because it's absolutely beautiful what you find on the Statue of Liberty. In that bronze plaque, many of you have gone to New York, you've seen the Statue of Liberty. There's a bronze plaque right down below her feet. And the last stanza says, Keep ancient lands, your storied pomp. With silent lips, give me your tired, give me your poor. Your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. The wretched refuse of your teeming shore. Send these, the homeless, tempest to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. And for many of our families looking for a better future, the Statue of Liberty represented a place that welcomed us into a country with freedom and opportunity. And it was her who represented freedom. It was her who represented a new opportunity. It was her who said, send me. Send me your tires. Send me the homeless. Send the people that are looking for it. Maybe, maybe your grandparents or parents, they came upon the shores of this great country looking for that. Let the church of Jesus Christ be like that Statue of Liberty. Be that city on a hill that says, where are the tired? Where are the broken. Where are the lonely? Come to the house of God. Come to the safe refuge. Come to the feet of Jesus. He offers forgiveness. He offers a new beginning. He offers a new place. He offers hope. He offers mercy. Come on, that's the house of God, the safe refuge. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I'm glad I had a place to run to when the storm was out. Come on, it's the church of Jesus. Calvary, we say it in our leaders' meetings. Come on, we're not going to sit here and criticize people across the auditorium because they look different, smell different than you. You just got out of the storm before they did. Don't criticize somebody else because they were in the storm a little longer. Thank God we're all in a place of refuge now. The city on the hill is a safe refuge. Number two, it's a sacred society, family. It's a society of people that are gathering together now as a family. You and I now become a new family. You have a physical family. This past week, many of you spent time with that family. Whether you like them or not, uh, that's a different question. <laughs> but we come from physical families, blood relatives. And that's beautiful. But Jesus is building now a new family. And it represents the new Israel. Now, this is deep, and I wish I had more time. We're out of time. Andrew's been playing for a while, but, <laughs> but we're about to wrap this up. Israel represented... God's chosen people. You know that Old Testament, God's chosen people. In the New Testament, now you and I are the new family. We're known all over the New Testament as the new Israel. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 22, Paul writes, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens 
In other words, we would look at the Jewish people and be like, whoa, they are the ones that belong to God. Well, Paul says, no, you're no longer a, stray, a stranger, an alien. You're no longer an outsider. Literally, that's what he's saying. He's saying you're an insider now. You're fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. All throughout the New Testament, Paul uses this phrase, we've been adopted. Yeah, yeah. You've been adopted into the family. We'll keep reading in just a second, but I don't know if you're like me and my wife. Me and my wife, we put our baby down, girl to sleep. We stay you know, up doing stuff around the house, whatever we gotta do, we'll get in bed, and we share reels to each other all night. <laughs> It's the new thing. And uh, most of our reels that we send each other are about dogs. We love dogs. We're dogs people. And she's like, oh my, look at this dog. Look at this dog. I don't know. It, pray for us if you don't do that. But that's what we do. The other day I saw one and it was about a dog who was at an adoption agency and nobody adopted him. It wasn't the prettiest looking dog. Ugly dog. But um, it shows when a family picks this dog. And you can almost see the dog smile. Like the dog, I, I love it. I'll send that reel to everybody. I'm like, the dog is like smiling and he's so happy because he's being adopted. Paul is saying, you and I have now been adopted. We've been brought into the family of God. I know we got a physical blood family, but there's a greater family, a spiritual family that we've been adopted to. I don't know about you, but when I think about it, I get like that dog in the adoption agent. Oh, come on. He forgave me. He included me. I'm now his. That's a beautiful thing. I'm not a stranger. I'm not an outsider. I've been grafted into the sacred family of God. Woo. That's beautiful. And third and finally, the band will come up. We'll read the rest of it at the 11 a.m. because... Um, <laughs> 9 a.m. is crazy, got loud, and took my time. Number three, we're also a secure future. We're a secure future. As I wrap this up, why do we do Heart for the House? Why do we do these kind of series where we focus on the outside? Because Jesus calls us to be selfless. And we're living in a world that's extremely selfish. A city on a hill represented security, community, prosperity. The word prosperity, it also comes or derives from a Hebrew word called shalom. And that didn't mean that you had all the financial means of the world. That can be good. That's awesome. That's a part of it. But it meant more than anything, you had peace. Peace. Shalom. And so you would go to the city of peace, Jerusalem. It's the city of peace. Jerusalem. God is peace. Jerusalem was a symbolic representation of the city of peace, the city of God. Are you following me? You would go to Jerusalem for shalom. You and I are the new Jerusalem. So we represent now a secure future for those out in the storm, for those that have chaos and confusion and conflict, oh, come to the house of God, the house of peace. This is the house of God. When you and I now find relationships, security, friendships, community, is there anybody in the house that today is lacking? I'll speak to a leader. You know what our church does that I absolutely love? We'll go to somebody that doesn't have it. We'll fill the whole refrigerator up. That's the church of Jesus Christ. 
Somebody lost a job. Somebody's grieving, lost a loved one. Let's go. We'll take care of the funeral. We'll see how it is. Again, many, many people are like, oh, I've never received any of the benefits. Well, you've never been part of the family. Right? Like, and I don't mean that in a, in a, in a negative way. I, and I don't like the, mm, I, I, I get that. But what I'm saying is, you can't require or you can't expect the blessings if you've never been part of the investment. I had somebody seven, eight years ago come tell me, well, they've never taken care of me. I've been going through it. I'm like, okay, for sure. I'm so sorry. We'll take care of that. What connect group are you a part of? They're like, oh, I haven't been able to join a connect group. Okay, cool. No, it's okay. Are you part of Dream Team? No, I'm not serving no team. Okay. Uh, who do you talk to when you come here? It's like, I haven't been here in like three years. I'm like, okay, I get it. So you want the benefits of the church, but you don't want the community of the church. All I'm saying is we take care of people that are part of the family. And I hope you hear my heart on that. If nobody knows you, it's going to be hard to help you. But if you become part of the family of God, the city on the hill, I'm telling you, we're going to take care of one another. And I know, I know the church has got a lot of flack throughout history. It's far from perfect, but it's his bride that he's building with imperfect people to be a fortress, to be a family, and to build a future. And at the end of time, we're all going to come down from heaven. And we're going to be the city where God dwells in. You and I living together. I think about the city on the hill because as we go out for Thanksgiving or for Christmas or the new year or back to school, we're letting the world know there is a better future for you. A future that can be secure. You're out there with no security, no fortress, no family. Come be part of the family of God. And I ask you today, is, is there room in your heart to welcome those who are looking? Is there room in your heart for those that are searching, hurt, lost, abused? Is there room in your heart to become a city on a hill? And I pray that that's what we become. Not just for a season, but for the rest of time. We are the salt. We are the light. We are the city on a hill. Let's stand up to our feet all across this place. I want to do one last prayer before we leave. Every eye closed, every head bowed. Hallelujah. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, maybe it's your first time, second time, maybe you've been coming for a while and you have no idea who God is, or you do, but you feel far from God. There's sin in your heart. There's sin in your life. You've done wrong, thought wrong, said wrong. I'm going to tell you, the Bible says all of us are sinners. The only reason some of us today can lift up our head and lift up our hands and sing is because he's perfect, we're not. He forgave us. He set our feet on a rock when we were down and out. The Bible says that our sin separates us from God, but God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son, Jesus, so that whosoever calls on him will be saved. The Bible says that Jesus carried my sins, your sins, up on a cross. He died for the sins of the world. There on that cross, Jesus gave up his life. He went down to a grave. He was dead for three days, but after three days, he resurrected. Jesus is alive. Today, he's offering forgiveness. He's offering peace. He's offering a brand new beginning. With every eye closed, every head bowed, in a moment of privacy, in a moment of prayer, if you're here today, you say, Alex, I need Jesus. I've been searching. I've been looking. I've been caught up in the storms of life. Perhaps today you're full of shame, guilt. You've done things that nobody knows about and you think God wants nothing to do with you. I'm here to tell you he loves you. He loves you. He loves you. 
and he's saying, welcome home. Come, come home, come home. With every eye closed, every head bowed, if that's you, I'm going to count to three. If you're saying, Alex, I need forgiveness. Alex, I need a new beginning. I want Jesus to forgive me of my sins. At the count of three, I want you to raise your hand as high as you can. Hold it up high enough, long enough for me to see you. Then you can put it right back down. Come on, the church, church praying. Eyes closed, head bowed. If that's you, if you're saying, Alex, I need Jesus, I need forgiveness. At the count of three, raise your hand. One, two, three. Raise your hand as high as you can. Raise it up, raise it up, raise it up. Amazing, amazing, amazing. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. God bless you, I see you, I see you. Awesome. If you're watching online, you can raise your hand right there where you're at. God sees you. Every hand down. Come on, let's say this prayer together and then ask Pastor Phil to tell you about a free gift and close up service. Father, we thank you. Repeat after me. Say, Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. Today I admit that I'm a sinner and that my sin separates me from you. Come on, say, Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God, that you died for my sins and on the third day, you resurrected. Come on, say, Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. From today on, I'm forgiven, I'm saved, and I'm healed. Amen. Let's put our hands together, church. So many hands went up. Amazing. Hey, we want to celebrate this special day. And uh, one of the things that we do, are we have an incredible Connect team right outside service who has a gift for you. If you raise your hand, one, we want to just congratulate you and be available if you need prayer or just a, a smile. But also, most importantly, we want to get you a free Bible. Uh, I know that when you raise your hand, I remember being 17, doing, making that same decision. You feel like, oh my God, this is amazing, this is awesome. What's next? Like, what do I do? How does this work? And we want to be a resource to you. You're a part of the family, and we want you to get involved in a small group or serve, but that takes time. But most importantly, we want to get you a Bible so you know what God says about your life, how to live more like Jesus. And the Bible that we have for you is super easy to read, has resources, and it's free. And we have also a bunch of other amazing things in here. So don't leave here. Don't rush. The dolphins aren't playing. You don't have to do a barbecue. We got you. We want to take care of you. We also want you to celebrate everybody getting baptized as well. Let's put our hands together one more time for every hand that went up.